Brando. James, did you did you check your uh, did you check your email? Did you get any hate mail uh, death threats from the Split Fin Mafia? Out there? <laughs> the Split Fin Mafia has been after me for years. Uh, I've had to hire bodyguards actually because they can be ruthless. They're protesting in front of my house. Somebody doxed us in the beginning. Every every time somebody beats you <laughs> with one of those split fins, it's like you're getting hit twice with every hit. It is. The only thing is there's like no power to them. Yeah, I, we did not get any uh, hate mail for our uh, fin episode of beating the dead horse about how we actually move underwater last week. I'm going to take that as the people actually are starting to uh, think that old Jamesy and old Brando might might be onto something. We're onto uh, a Finn revelation, if you will. I think it's in the Bible, in the book of Revelations. Thou shalt not wear split fins. That was one of the, I was on the tablet that <laughs> fell and broke. I was, was going to say. That was, that was that 12, was I think. <laughs> yes, I was going to say number 12. You did see that. It's a conspiracy theory that there were 15 tablets, but a couple scientists say they found them, archaeologists. And number 12 was, thou shalt not wear split fins. Thou shalt wear snorkels while snorkeling if, and only while snorkeling if. Welcome back to the Great Dive Podcast, everyone. Hey, you're here with fresh foliage Jamesy. <laughs> <laughs> and leaf blower Brando. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's perfect. Yeah, leaf blower Brando is uh, hated in this house because the leaf blower comes out eh, about this time of year. Wow. I really broke it out about ten days ago. I I actually use are you it that guy around. that just is like every every day blowing leaves? Well, kind blowing. of in the in the fall I have to. There's a lot of trees, and if you let it go, it they become very difficult to to blow. So, uh, but I like my leaf blower year round. But I especially savor it's the smell of the leaf blower in the air, the sound of the leaf blower. Blowing that's the, two cycle. Leaves. That's two cycle. That's, <laughs> that's yes. You smell it. That's burning fuel. That's it. And I get the old Husqvarna out and let her go. Let her go to town. Got to keep the area clean. My neighbor, man, his leaves are coming down like crazy. We got rid of some trees this year, which is nice. I don't. I don't have to have two hundred bags. I of hate leaves trees. Like I hate trees because they have leaves. Is that what you're getting at? <laughs> I, I I love our trees, but we had so many. It's 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 brutal. This time of year is usually brutal because you know what it means. Usually, you know, uh, a, a fall evening, you know, hockey's getting back into swing. Good old hockey, yeah. Detroit's doing pretty uh, pretty well, as I I heard yesterday. They were two and zero oh and one. It's gonna be a good season for the old Detroit Red Wings. Bunch of my buddies are buzzing because hockey's back. And hey, buddies, you know what else is buzzing? The Lawnmower 4.0 from our friends at Manscaped. You know, they are the global leaders in male grooming. Don't get chirped this year for having a jumbo Joe Bush below the waist, people. <laughs> a jumbo Joe Bush? What the? Who the hell is jumbo Joe Bush? Is that George Bush's illegitimate child? What no, a jumbo it? Joe. Oh, 
a Jumbo bush Joe. like Jumbo Joe. Oh, well, I thought it could have been Jumbo Joe Bush, the illegitimate child of George Bush. Join the Manscaped movement and the other 6 million men who trust Manscaped for all your hairiest grooming needs. Get 20% off of free shipping with the code TGDP at manscaped.com. Brandon and I just got a, another shipment come in from them. So, yeah, we have that ultra smooth package coming to us with some, uh, you know, uh, gentle crop exfoliator scrub for the groin area and some crop gel, you know, nice clear lubricating shave gel and their new specially engineered specially to shave that groin super clean that new uh, crop shaver with travel case and replacement blades replacement blades too yeah that way uh, you can keep your old testes clean ready for battle brando <laughs> mine are ready for battle any day of the week most days anyway ready for battle and we got a, n- a new set of those anti-chafing boxer briefs coming. That way you can keep your goodies stored comfortably. And that's important. That's important when you get to be my age. Yeah, because you're—I mean—you're a professional man. You don't—you're not like those goons out there on the ice <laughs> no fighting, goons. fighting your bush with the other guys. You've got <laughs> manscaped. <laughs> really. <laughs> what what's going on in the in your mind, James? What the hell? <laughs> I almost spit my coffee in that one. Hey everybody, get twenty percent off and free shipping with the code TGDP at Manscaped. That's twenty percent off with free shipping at manscaped.com. Use the code TGDP. Don't get denied pipe this season, people. Make sure you shave your pants pucks with the right tools for the job. <laughs> your pants pucks, they're calling them, eh? Their writing team must be they must have some fun. I can see they have some fun. That's why they picked us. That, and that's why they picked us. You don't want a couple of fools doing this. Pity the fool. And speaking of fools, I've got a fun story written by your good buddy, Brett Gilliam. Old B.G., the old Gilly, 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 Gilly. The old Gilly Baru. And I know he you liked a lot of his old writing back in the day. And, I did. And I did, too. I, I miss this kind of writing. And uh, whenever I come across one of Brett's old stories and editorials and j- just, uh, you know, he wrote with a, a flavor and a flair and a character. And he wrote all kinds of stuff. He, you know, he wrote like travel, you know, to destinations, you know, a- about resorts and dive sites. And he wrote a lot of instructional stuff and he wrote a lot of educational stuff and Every now and then he wrote, like, journaly stuff just describing some of the dives that he had done. He's the kind of guy you'd hang out at the bar with after the dive and have a couple beers and uh, talk old dive stories. I, I got to meet him a couple years ago back at, at DEMA with, with, with our dear friend Jamie, and uh, we were with uh, Larry Green and uh, a couple of people and got to – and Michael Menduno was there, and we got to hang out and chat with – Brett for a little while, and he uh, he was pretty uh, storytellery. But this is a story about um, foolery. Tom foolery. Tom foolery. Okay. Even the best plans go awry. This is from uh, June of nineteen ninety-five. In what magazine? This is the Advanced Diving Journal. Oh, the old ADJ. The old Scuba yeah. Times. Yeah, the old ADJ yeah. section out of Scuba Times. 
uh, who were, you know, at, at the time, they were really on the forefront of promoting the technical diving community. You know, it was True. A, a magazine that wasn't afraid and actually gave the technical community a platform. Is that uh? That's the one. Fred Garth was the uh, publisher. Yes. That, right? Yep. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Shout out uh, to my Fred memory Garth. isn't yeah. as bad as I thought it was. Awesome. See there. But this is a fun story about the early days of technical diving. In comparison to those little recreational Scooby-Doo's <laughs> making all their mistakes with. You know, putting in the wrong mass defog. Technical divers, especially back in these days when they were hardy, manly <laughs> men, they would never make mistakes. No, you couldn't. You couldn't afford to make mistakes. You were a technical diver. And you gave up mistakes when you bought those twins. And you bought those four more regulators to go with those twins. Because right, you redundancy, gave up- redundancy is the best way to go. You gave up making mistakes when you bought those twin 104s and twin low-pressure 45 <laughs> steel stage bottles and twin 45 deco bottles, steel deco bottles and, and, and spare backup wings bungeed together. Stopped making mistakes back then. No need to make them anymore, so I will just stop right here. Now I've got all this gear, and all of this gear means... The idea of making a mistake is no longer in the arena. Correct. And, and like the same thing with like been there, done it. I've seen it all. You're not going to yeah. you know, fool one over on me. You know, <laughs> that's uh, I remember, you know, chatting with old Larry Green there, his name popping up again. But him saying that same thing, like I, I he was saying, I, I learned a long time ago, never say that I've seen you've seen it all. Yeah. Because as soon oh, as you I think you've that. seen it all. There's something you know, new. Now you're going to get caught off guard because something crazy is <laughs> going to happen. So you always, especially as an instructor, you've always got to have that open-mindedness to realize some crazy shit about to happen. Yeah. Well, and, and that's kind of an attraction as well. It's like uh, Mama always said, you know, it's like a box of chocolates. Teaching scuba is like a box of, te- uh, of technical divers. Is <laughs> the Teaching scuba is like a box of chocolates, right, Mama? If in a future moment of weakness I were to ever suggest that I had seen it all in diving, please slap me and bring me back to earth, Brett tells us. I should know by now that divers are capable of most extraordinary behavior that can defy logic, nature, and occasionally the laws of physics. Well, especially in, a, uh, in an instructional environment, you know, if you're there to learn something. I like that uh, students make their normal diving mistakes when I'm teaching them versus they've come in and they've rehearsed everything because they talked to somebody who went through the class and they think they've got the script and they're going to, you know, just play out the script and they're not going to make the same mistakes that the guy who gave you the script made, but it never works that way. But I've seen that. I mean, and it's kind of like you're ripping yourself off in a class because you're there to learn. You're supposed to be the diver you are every day. Well, yeah. Well, I mean, when, uh, but when people have been so conditioned for so many years in scuba to pay their money and they get their card at the end of the weekend and then they start to find out that there's some teachers that aren't there for that 
reason that they're yes. there to, to get the most out of you and force you to change to a new plateau of talent, understanding, and ability. No, some people do it for the card, James. You, you know, it's just like some people buy the gear and just go start diving it and put that label on that they're a technical diver. And um, they never really had to learn what it is to be a technical diver, to really be a technical diver and, and into the diving portion. Yeah, that and like uh, even so, something so much as I'm a rescue diver because I went through a rescue class last weekend. So now I'm a rescue diver for the rest of my life. Well, I got even the though I've even though I've never, you know, in 15, 20 years of diving post rescue class, never practiced doing an air share again, mm. you know, never practiced any rescue skills. But somewhere down the road, all of a sudden, my rescue skills are needed. Well, that does not make for a truly rescue diver right. performance in what's about to happen. You know, it like you got to go through the training, but in, until you wear that badge. You know, it should be years of practicing that training so that you have it in you at any moment. Your class, you give out a badge? I want to take your class, James. No, no, you get a badge? <laughs> Do you get guns, too? You don't get the badge, in my opinion, until uh, you've been proving I'm, it You know, yeah. to, to yourself you know, for years and years and years. You know, it's, that, it's that mindset of just being constantly in the, the moment of learning rather than thinking, I've been there, I've done it. Let's move on to the next thing. Yeah, you see a lot of people that have have cards, but uh, the cards don't necessarily mean they are able to do what that card says that they're able to do proficiently. Right, right. I mean, most of them, it, it means... I showed my instructor the <laughs> new, the new ascent, you know, profile on the tables for this hundred and thirty foot dive. Mm. True, true. Once and then uh, that's it. Well, in Brett's humble opinion, he says, surprisingly, many of the most memorable episodes I've had occasion to witness happened in training. In theory. Instructors agree that mistakes made under supervision can be turned into positive learning experiences. Depending on the seriousness of the mistake, they can also lead to premature aging and migraines of biblical proportions <laughs> for the instructor, who must now leap to the rescue when the class decides to behave like Forrest Gump on acid. Are you... Are you like yelling in your regulator when this shit happens, like, what in the fuck? What is going on? <laughs> what in the actual fuck is going on? He says, as Orca computer engineer Paul Heinmiller once confided to me, we've given up on trying to make our equipment foolproof. The fools are just too ingenious. They are organic, and there's uh, an infinite amount of possibilities within the behavior of the fool. He says in technical diving, we see fewer incidences of the classic blunders. I envision Kurt Gowdy announcing, and now we come to the compulsory portion of the program as entry-level divers drop weight belts on their buddies, do face plants into the dive platform, or simply mount their entire scuba package upside down, all while grinning insanely like a donkey <laughs> eating briars. 
Nah, tech divers have a lot more experience, so they go straight to the metal round when it comes to screw-ups. <laughs> and I guess that's the thing that I keep bringing up, you know, uh, uh, of the of the way the scuba education evolved of you get the card, you get the T-shirt, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the practice time's over. You know, we, we never really... the. You know, it wasn't until the 2000s did really any training out there come around and say, you need to dive at this level and really show that you're ready to move forward before you move forward. I mean, that's a relatively, I mean, that's a relatively new thing. That's like a, that's a scuba like a millennial thing like, as far as the scuba world goes I mean, true because for the longest time it was the opposite way like you got the card and at the same time you were given the the invitation to the next level yeah in the same sentence congratulations and sign up for the next class yes right you're certified congratulations advanced is tomorrow <laughs> your advanced congratulations your deep specialty starts tomorrow Congratulations, instructor. Exactly. Brett says, consider, if you will, the following tales of best intentions that swiftly took a turn into the twilight zone. I was finishing up a training dive on the wreck of the Hydro-Atlantic off Pompano Beach, Florida with Dave Hermel, an eager tech diver from Minnesota. Dave had already made several dives on the massive wreck, and we had just completed some emergency skills and were making our way back to our upline when we noticed a big grouper acting weird. The fish made repeated headlong rushes at Dave, only to stop short and literally rebound from him. Displaying the usual caution shown by the inhabitants of states where cows outnumber people, Dave kept a respectful distance and sized things up. I had a barracuda do that to me. Like, would not stop. You know, uh, this is where I kind of got over my fear of barracuda. Was you know down uh, Mm -hmm. down there in Florida, and you know I had one back when I was young. You know, uh, diving with a big group of guys went down to the Keys and got in. I think we were diving the wreck of the Eagle at the time, and you know I, I I drop in. Drop down to like 15, 20 feet, waiting for all these dudes to get in. Mass problems, ear problems, uh, you know, <laughs> forgot to put gear on, like like the just like this, you know, face plant on the swim platform, getting mm-hmm. in thing, you know. Here I am, eager, young, you know, teenage kid, you know, rushing to get down, and I'm waiting, and this barracuda is just like hanging, giving me the eyeball. I'm I mean, things big as I am, you know, and I'm like, right. yeah, those those great barracuda down uh, there huge, are monsters, huge. like five yeah. feet long. So I'm like, screw this. So I go down the line to the wreck in like 60 feet of water, I think is where the line ties in. Comes right down, eyeballs me right down there, <laughs> staring at me down there like, okay, I'm going to go back up 20 feet, <laughs> go back up, comes up eyeballing me up there this guy won't leave me alone finally all these dudes finally get in and i'm like we gotta go get down hit the wreck swim swim around like the the back end of it come around boom he's right there waiting for me again and then just like swam next to me the whole dive just 
I'm like, ah, I, I guess he's I guess he's my buddy. I guess he's my pal. Maybe he's sizing you up, waiting for you to put your guard down, waiting for you to think he's your pal. Yeah. And then well, come in for a little nibble. Well, we'll see what happens with Dave here. He says, it turned out that his antagonist had been hooked by a passing boat, managed to break the line. But the stainless steel leader, all six feet of it, was still attached and had snared into the deck fitting on the wreck at 145 feet. Quick as a wink, Dave gave me a signal from which loosely translated was, I'll save this beast from a lingering death and free him. (laughs) Rhett says, I should. That's a loose translation. (laughs) Rhett says, I should have known better. And then the hilarity ensued. Which I guess if you're, you know, on a on a recreational dive in sixty feet of water on a on on a bottom reef and you see something, it's a little bit of a different story when you're in, you know, hundred and fifty feet of water and, and that deco obligation starts adding up pretty quick and, and like a an obligation meaning you can't just go shooting up to the surface yeah you're stuck in the water dave went hand over hand on the wire leader until he got about two feet from mr big who is eyeing him with a look like i save for any doctor who starts pulling on a rubber glove (laughs) Uh, the two worlds collided when minnesota man reached for his knife and Cujo, the grouper from hell, decided that he was about to star in a watery meat remake of The Yearling. See, this, this is the old writing of Brett. Like, like I, I yeah. miss, I miss the the humor and the drama that he was able to capture. You just don't get writers creatively writing stories anymore. Well, they're handcuffed with the the words they can use anymore. But yeah, it's just not there. Let's work on it. Let's try to get that. We're back. getting it Let's back. Bring it back. Give me a typewriter. I'm writing an article. God damn it. Give me a, I, I need a, I need a scuba magazine I can write an article for. <laughs> it was the best of times. It was the worst of times. In the space of 90 seconds, the star-crossed pair disappeared in an explosion of silt and bubbles. When the water finally cleared, I was treated to the surreal scene of diver and fish neatly bound together and firmly wired to the deck cleat. <laughs> It was a rigging job worthy of a boss's mate. Neither party could move. The fish had even managed to ensnare both of Dave's hands in the leader and most of one leg so that he perhaps most resembled a neatly tied up boneless pork roast. A few weak squeaks bubbled out of his mouthpiece at me. I commend the, the guy for wanting to reach out and help the... Help the poor struggling fish. Oh, absolutely. But there are times where you have to realize uh, I'm underwater, <laughs> running running out of gas, and uh, building decompression obligation for which I only have a limited amount of gas to accommodate that. You know, sometimes you got to go, wow, we should send another crew down with the main focus and intention of helping the fish or come back and we'll do another dive, come down and help the fish rather than just at the end of the dive, deciding to add a whole new adventure. I I think in this case, the diver didn't know what they were possibly getting into. I'll stick up for him. Brett says now was the perfect time to renegotiate the course fees, but Somehow, I couldn't bring myself to take advantage of him in such dire straits. 
No, I'd shame him later, back on the boat. A few minutes of diligent reverse wire sculpture freed Dave. He and the group parted company, like Tony Curtis and Sidney Poitier in that old chain gang movie, the Defiant Ones. Not exactly friends, but they had to admit they'd miss each other. Brett, Brett says lessons were learned all the way around. The moral is, I never again would dive without a pair of EMT scissors capable of cutting through kryptonite. Uh, well, yeah, it would just take one, one incident, and you'd say, hmm, would be good to have something that can cut that wire leader, that cable. Yeah, especially if you're diving in places with wire leaders on the regular. Yeah, it's something to consider. You know, um, you get so many people that dive with like their kit and their yeah. rig that never changes. Like every piece of equipment that they've ever bought gets clipped on and added on. <laughs> and, you know, to, to have every single piece of redundancy and safety equipment that they would need. Which I understand, but at the same time, it's it's more of a matter of thinking through the dive ahead of and, and bringing the stuff that you are likely going to need in that environment rather than bringing every single thing that you could ever possibly add to your kit. Another time, I had a large group of tech divers on the same wreck who completed their dives and deployed their lift bags to do drifting decompression. Keep in mind, this is in the days when the the normal deployable surface marker buoy was just that. It was a lift bag. They weren't mm-hmm. the, the, the nice, long, tube-like marker bags that are closed. Safety sausage. Yeah, closed yeah. cell that aren't going to follow, you know, aren't going to spill. You know, they're not the nice ones that are the normal today. This is just taking a 50-pound lift bag and shooting. Yeah, yeah. My charges were routinely hanging out when another dive team began to surface beneath us. Warning bells went off in everyone's minds when one diver produced a lift bag the size of the Hindenburg and happily began to inflate it down around 40 feet. He says, of course, as the bag gained buoyancy, it began to do its own graphic interpretation of Boyle's Law, and the hapless diver struggled to swim down against the apparition that was now starting to look like a figure from the Macy's Parade. He was almost holding his own when he fouled the line in his knife sheath around his ankle. At that point, he was on a one-way ride to the surface, backwards. On the surface, he was retrieved by the boat crew and divested of his parachute, none the worse for his brush with mortality. So much for the little quirks and subtleties of using lift bags and reels. The moral is that before using any new gear especially technical especially technical equipment practice in a controlled environment until your technique is flawless i was just having a conversation the other day with a guy that was out in lake huron you know this past summer and had an incident where he needed to fire a marker bag where the the wreck you know went out in pretty rough water and the mooring broke they yeah. got back to the upline and like, where's the upline? I thought I thought <laughs> I thought this is where we were supposed to go up, and then they noticed like all the line laying, you know, on the top of the top of the wreck. Wreck, yeah, on the deck. So pop shit, the bag. Shit, this is a terrible time to realize I gotta attach the line to the bag. 
you know, like like all the <laughs> all the stuff that I bought at the dive shop. It's not pre-rigged and ready to go. You know, you mm. you know when you're pulling out your marker bag and you gotta you gotta take the price tag. You know, uh, <laughs> you know, a little. You thing really off have done nothing there. other than oh, check this it thing's in your all pocket. cellophane wrapped inside uh, inside <laughs> this like fancy little carry case it came with, and oh, there's a a little plastic tag tied around. I gotta pop that off too, and yeah, so. I mean, that's the not the time you want to find out that you don't know how to shoot a bag and keep the, the spool from falling to the bottom and tidying up all that. James, I would go even farther than that. For example, uh, carrying a spare mask, put it in my pocket. It's becoming more popular nowadays, which is nice, yeah. which is really nice to see. But But if you've never practiced deploying that spare mask anything in your pockets you have to practice it because this is not the surface where you're in your jeans just walking down the street and you're pulling your wallet out this is completely different right yeah you, when you pull your wallet out and you, you you forget that you go oh yeah you know what i put a couple of pens in there i, I put yeah. that little notepad in there uh I, I put a candy bar in there too and it all comes falling out you can yeah, just well, you could just bend over and pick that stuff up it's not that big a deal oh yeah but yeah. when you're in the middle of the water column with the be- you know your tanks on your back getting to those pockets isn't the same and i watch them struggle or you've got tanks on your back and tanks you're you're hanging yeah sling bottles you know kind of well, thing well and, and then yeah and anybody stages. who's been talked into buying a spare mask has probably also been talked into carrying maybe some wet notes as well and they've also been talked into carrying uh maybe a maybe like a pre-rigged marker bag like we're talking about it's good to carry this when you open that pocket and (laughs) go for it and everything comes shooting out of it Uh you know because it's your very first time and all you've done so far is just gotten good at stuffing stuffing things in that you keep getting told to go to the dive shop and buy I should have this, yes. I should have this. I should have this redundant redundancy. And, you know, it goes to the knives, too. Remember, we've had friends, especially back in the early tech days, with no less than 10 knives on them located at various points of their body. But to watch them try to deploy even one was uh, insanity. (laughs) You got to practice that stuff. That's the next story with Edward Dive Knife Hands. (laughs) I love that one. Edward Dive Knife Hands. <laughs> Starring Johnny Depp as Edward Dive Knife Hands. No, Brett says, finally, I still love the guy who is ready to enter the water from the high midsection of a dive boat and realized he had forgotten to put on his weight belt. Under the burden of his double tanks, he backed up to a stanchion to steady himself against the boat's roll and proceeded to buckle up his belt around the stanchion. (laughs) That'd be a good one to watch. Nothing bad could happen from that. Oh, he says, stepping off, he managed to almost get his fins in the water before (laughs) fetching up hard when the belt reached the bottom of the rail. Suspended like some mutant crucifix against the boat's hull, he rattled around helplessly until someone cut him free. The moral is that sometimes, no matter how much you plan, sometimes Mr. Murphy still gets the better of you. Just keep your head, and hopefully you'll laugh about it later. Good point. You never know. 
I've seen many, you know, crazy issues with with boat ladders. I haven't seen yeah. the the crucifixed diver, you know, stuck <laughs> stuck to it though. That's you got to bring Jesus into this, don't you? Yeah. Well, that I could see how it could happen, but <laughs> well, well, those are just a lot of the the, the little mistakes little that, that are happening on boats, right? I mean, there's so much that can go wrong, which is why you know real experience is so important. And even going to the quarry, or going to the training location where you know you can take 30 40 minutes of easing yourself into the water you know slowly off of a walk-in entry and do a dive to you know 100 plus feet 130 feet 140 feet whatever at your deep end of the quarry and and go through all your technical training it's way different than being on a boat and when it's yeah. get in time it's like right now you got to get in yeah. You know, so you see the people that don't unbungee the bottles, <laughs> right? Yes. Or yeah, try to stand up with the uh, bottle still strapped in. Yeah, little things like that. That that's the experience of of being regular on a dive boat. And even me, you know, I mean, I wish I had the 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 ability to do way more big boat dives boat that i get dives. a chance to sometimes you know just depending on how busy the, the the year is you know but you always got to approach with a men mentality of still learning and still being the new guy and 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 making sure things are squared away yeah you got to remain vigilant because you're not above making stupid mistakes either. nobody is right <laughs> i think that's the the big point here that yeah. he's making is you know, when you become an advanced diver, you know, everybody laughs at the open water, little newbie, little guppies. <laughs> Look at the little guppies over there. And I'm advanced open water. And then at the same time, the, the, the guys finishing up their deep class are like, I remember when I was just a AOW weenie. <laughs> and then the guys that just finished their, you know, intro to tech or a and dp or whatever they're you know beginning you know to, to touch in with some technical training you know they're laughing at the recreational deep guys and rather than everybody getting on the page uh, or the page, page. Of, of a long-term game rather than your training is just a weekend and then you've got a new level right brett closes out the article by saying that although these anecdotes are humorous there is a serious undertone to my message. Don't try to shortcut the learning curve. Get into a proper training program where a trained professional will be able to show you how to avoid problems from the outset. Your instructor may save you some embarrassment or even your life. It's all part of the experience and everyone makes mistakes. The key is surviving them. You know, and you make that point a lot about like, I can't teach you everything that could go wrong that's what i was just gonna say james again i was gonna say it again i keep saying the same thing i find say as it. i get older and older i say the same things over and over but yeah you, there's no possible way for any instructor to teach you everything that could possibly go wrong and have you armed against that particular thing um and i mean that's that's almost everything in life i i equate this to raising children i can't I can't teach you everything you're going to come up against. I can't give you that that 
that uh, training, if you will, simulated training kind of thing. But I can uh, teach a philosophy, a philosophical approach to, in the case of my children, life, in the case of diving, diving, right? Uh, an approach to it that kind of will allow you to uh, prioritize issues and help you overcome them because you're going to have them, man. Right. It's not a... It's not a checklist on an instructor slate that prepares you for that next level of diving. Right. Right. It's, it's what comes after you've done the training, you've done the right. work, you've, you've put in the time. Now you are kind of opened up enough that you can actually start lo- really learning. Learning, yeah. And, I mean, uh, well, we've said that too. It's a license to learn. It, it, that's all it is. But keep that mind open and um, and know you're going to <laughs> encounter things that your class never, ever you know, I shouldn't say prepared, never ever could cover, could ever think of covering. That's the way diving is. Correct. It's a box because of chocolates. So, because something is going to go wrong. You don't just don't know when it is. And like, if nothing has ever gone wrong for you ever, you got to be aware. Like, like what goes through my mind is I, I stats. can't be, I can't be this good. Right. Stats. Right? Like, right. Always, always bring it back to that. I'm, I'm not this good. None of us are this good. Oh yeah. Well, so it's like the don't guys... get too focused on like I, I, I am this good that nothing's going to go wrong. Right. Uh, like I always keep trying to tell myself, be ready, be ready. Yeah, because something's going to come your way. It's the, when you said I'm not this good, that just reminded me of, especially in the, in the old fundies days, where, where people with twins that really were just getting into twins or whatnot. And they didn't fully understand the twins. They didn't understand the reasoning behind the twins or how, how to how to actually operate them underwater in an emergency and and the failure points and whatnot. They didn't they didn't have a full understanding, and that was part. Well, of I, I watched I watched the YouTube video <laughs> three times. I I saw uh, old Mike Nelson had twins on, and he just threw one regulator in there. But they would look at their pressure gauge. But things wouldn't register, and then they would keep diving and look at their pressure gauge, you know, 15 minutes into the dive, and pressure gauge hasn't moved. So they believe, I'm really, really good. <laughs> I've got great, great so air in, consumption. Instead of Two and a half to, hours. Exactly. Two and a half hours of training. I, I've used not even 100 PSI. Exactly. But the thought that, hey, I can't be this good never entered their mind, which is, again, have that open mind. You're not that good. No, we're just not that good. Be vigilant. If something looks too good to be true, it probably is kind of thing. If you're not using gas, it's not because you're not using gas. You're using gas. You didn't open your isolator. Well, I had a guy that was, you know, a dive master for us, you know, years ago back in the day that bought a whole set of, like, tech equipment, just kind of like what you were saying earlier, you know, and, uh, you know, Went out, was diving, and, and uh, you know, we met him up at the, the dive site, you know, so the, there's, yeah, like eight or ten people getting in the water doing a dive. You know, we were at the pond there just practicing, and, oh, how's it going? Oh, man, this is great. I'm loving this stuff, you know. He didn't do any training in it. He just, you know, just bought it all and just start self-teaching himself, you know. So we were like, all right, let's go. Like, I'll I'll join you guys. We'll jump in and do a dive. So as we descend, you know, I was like, how much gas you got? And he, he looks, he's like, oh, I'm still at like 3,000. 
okay, sweet. Let's, let's go. <laughs> blah, 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 blah. He starts descending. <laughs> swims up, swims up, swims up. <laughs> like, and it was like a shore entry. Like, gets uh-huh. to where he can stand again. Uh, like, what's up? He goes, I- I'm out of gas. Like, you just told me you got 3,000. How can you be out of gas? He's like, this thing's empty. <laughs> Here we go. Here we go. Do you check your isolator? Uh, 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 here, here. Let me let me do that for you. Oh shit! Dives over at that point because <laughs> if you ever hear that noise, people, the dives over because you don't know what is going on there. But uh, yeah, well, I mean, I've talked about my own experience being a moron, right? I think I have on the show where I decided I'm going to every get it. single week. <laughs> <laughs> Not necessarily with just diving, but uh, no, when I strapped a couple couple bottles together and figured I'm going into the world of technical diving, so I thought I'd get some twins together and go to the pond there, and I, I knew redundant redundancy was good, so two, two of everything's good, four of everything's Super good. Super. It's mega good. <laughs> it's quadruple good. So, yeah, I had two complete setups. And then I got in the water, and I was like, well, what do I do if there's, you know, I'm, I'm trying to go through some scenarios. I'm not approaching I've got, I've got four regulators to donate now. It's <laughs> got to be easier. It's got to be easier, right? Which one, if I have a failure of something, which ones are working now, which ones are not? And And this is a lot of shit to manage. There's Which one do you want? You want the you want the yellow one? You want the orange one? I have two. I two got this blue one. Bungeed up I wings. I got a green one. I can give you <laughs> the green one's like like sour apple flavor. This uh, yellow one's like a little lemony. Blue. I got the, the blueberry. You want the blueberry regulator? What one do you want to breathe for? Well, one's in a blue bag. One's in a red bag strapped on my chest. <laughs> there, yeah. The, in the different color hoses and yeah, the whole gambit of nonsense I had uh, going. Several computers and, and depth gauges, and I didn't have eight knives, but I had at least you know no less than four. I'm sure I had stupid shit. I was stupid. I admit it. That was one dive. That was one partial dive. <laughs> I didn't really dive much on it. I just went through the idea of okay, what are my failure points here? What's going on? And I came to the conclusion: my, the failure point is me, is the guy in the mirror. So I. Uh, <laughs> oh, that's profound. Profound. <laughs> yes, yes. So at, at some point, you got to look at yourself in the mirror and go, dude. I need to get the right training. Right. Stand on the shoulders of giants, man. You don't have to uh, reinvent the wheel. This stuff's already been done. And there are people that really put time in underwater that you can learn from. Yeah. All right. There you go, people. That is a little story for Brett Gilliam. Even the best plans go awry. So do your job. Get out there and plan your dive and dive your plan. But always be ready and understand that things can take a turn at any moment. Don't just assume that everything's going to be okay because brando tell them what happens when they make an assumption uh you make an ass out of umption you and umption you and umption (laughs) yes let's keep promoting that little saying because i'm tired of the other one aren't you i'm assuming you're tired out of that one (laughs) but you know what assuming does makes an ass out of you You and umming 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 (laughs) that joke doesn't get old james no all right brando let me uh let me see your logbook. Here you go. Nice dive, buddy. Let me untangle this lift bag from around <laughs> your seven dive knives <laughs> so we can get to the surface. 
oh crap, only seven? I lost one. Which one, though, is the question. Which one? All right, everybody. We will talk to you next week. Um, Same Dive Knife channel. Other Dive Knife time. <laughs> there you go.